This is Living Lean, the show that teaches you how to apply the science of nutrition and training to sustainably create your leanest, strongest body and build the most confident version of yourself. I'm your host, Jeremiah Bear. Let's get into the show. What is going on? Welcome back to the show. As always, we have a Q&A today. Now, before that, I hope you're staying safe with everything that's going on right now with the coronavirus. Um, hope you're enjoying your quarantine time and you're doing something productive with it. There's really several different ways you can look at this in the next few weeks. If you are somebody that's basically trapped at home right now, it can be a time where you let your eating habits regress, you really let your physical fitness regress, and even you let your mental well-being regress. Or you can turn this into something that's super positive. You can focus on personal development. You can focus on getting your nutrition more dialed in, building a better nutritional foundation. You can improve a ton. And when the world finally settles down and you get back to your quote unquote normal life, you can be a much better person because all the time you poured into yourself over the next few weeks. So if you're in the situation where you're stuck at home, take advantage of it. If you have more time, take advantage of it. <laughs> Turn this into from something that's very negative to something that's very positive for you. Push the growth. Go to, there's so many free resources out there. Go to my website, check out the blogs, listen to my podcast, listen to other podcasts, get an audio book. You can grow so much in the next couple of weeks. Um, quick rant, just because this is crazy times we're all living through right now but i think it's very very important to go into this with the perspective of making the absolute best out of it and being an example of that everyone else can follow all right so <laughs> rant over let's go ahead and get into the q a so the first question i actually got via dm which was can you build muscle while eating in a calorie deficit so can you build muscle while eating fewer calories than you're burning in a day? So first and foremost, it depends, but yes, you absolutely can. So there's a common misbelief out there that you can't build muscle and lose fat simultaneously because losing fat is a catabolic process or a breaking down process and building muscle is an anabolic process or a building, uh, building process. And so the thinking here is like these two processes can't happen simultaneously, right? But what people don't consider here is that they are happening to two different systems. Your fat cells and your muscle cells are entirely separate systems. So the stimulus for your fat cells shrinking is going to be a calorie deficit, whereas the stimulus for your muscle cells growing is gonna be one, smart training, adequate training stimulus, and two, getting plenty of protein. So it can absolutely happen, even just like looking at it from that perspective, but again, it very much depends on where you're coming from as a trainee. So I see, we call this when you lose fat and build muscle at the same time, we call this body recomposition. Basically, it's every person's dream. And I see it all the time with new online clients. But the reality is, 
often before people start coaching, before you start coaching, you might have been under eating, under eating protein, or maybe you weren't training properly before. So you weren't hitting every muscle group with 10 to 20 hard sets per week. So like when you start coaching, or for example, you're training smart, your nutrition is dialed in more than it's ever been, your sleep, your stress management, getting all those factors dialed in at the same time can also lead to people building muscle and losing fat at the same time. Even if before they were like, even if you were, like I have a lot of coaches even that go through this. So even if you were training relatively smart, just getting all these other factors dialed in can also lead to you kind of recomping like this. And this is actually something that has been shown by multiple studies to be possible. Just keep in mind that really the longer you've been, the longer you've had your training, nutrition, sleep and stress management dialed in, the harder this is going to be to pull off. But it is, again, absolutely possible. So really the kind of the things that determine how easy it will be for you are one, the less training experience you have. So if you're someone that's just brand new to training properly, the less proper training experience I should say that you have, the easier it's going to be for you to build muscle. So again, like people that are brand new to proper training can crush it, losing fat, building muscle simultaneously. In that case, it is very, very possible. I see that all the time with new clients. The higher your starting body fat percentage is, easier will also be because you have all this body fat as energy stores your body can pull from. So it's just not as taxing on your body as a whole to go through at least at the beginning of fat loss phase until you get relatively lean. The leaner you are, the harder it's going to be to build muscle. So like the last bit before you get on a bodybuilding stage, for example, you're not going to be building muscle at that time frame. Really, at that point, your body's just trying to hang on. Um, the smaller the deficit is, the more likely this is to happen as well. So generally, when a client starts coaching, and I think they're in a pretty good position to recomp. So let's say you're relatively lean. Maybe you have about 10 to 20 pounds of fat to lose, or let's say you're a dude that's around 15 to 17% body fat, and you want to get to around 10 to 12% body fat. So you also haven't been trained properly, and we know that you've been under eating protein. So in a case like this, what we would do, or this could also be applicable to like, let's say a woman that is uh, 22 to 27% body fat, and she wants to get to around 17% body fat. Again, you haven't been training properly. We know you've been under eating protein, which honestly, this is something that I see super frequently in women, <laughs> under eating protein especially. So we'll start you in a relatively smaller deficit. I would say 10 to 15%. Um, I would for sure keep it below like 15 to 20%. I would 10 to 15% is typically where I would start a client in this situation. And we're just pushing for a slower rate of weight loss. We're focusing a lot more on body measurements, how those are changing, keeping hunger relatively low. So I have all my clients rank every single day on a scale of one to five where your hunger's at. So 
we probably want to keep that hunger at around a 2.5 to a 3.5. Once we pass that, we know that if that's consistently past that, we know you're in a pretty large deficit and it's probably less likely that you're also recompensated. So we want to keep hunger very manageable. And then you must also be eating adequate protein. So you're going to need, I would say, at least one gram per pound of body weight. Um, anywhere from 0.8 to 1.2 grams per pound of body weight is a smart recommendation. 0.8 is kind of the low end of that recommendation. So I would say just make sure you're eating at least one gram per of protein per pound of body weight. And all those factors are going to push you in a more sit, ideal situation to be able to recomp. And this is something that I've seen personally. Like when I got ready for my first photo shoot, when I hired my first coach, actually, just like I'm talking about here with all my clients, it was my first time having my nutrition, my training, all very individualized to me. And they were more dialed in than I had ever had them before, as long as all these practices for my sleep, my morning and nighttime routine, just like I focus on with my clients, like how are we managing stress, all these different lifestyle factors that we take into account, all of that compiled for many people can help you recomp. But again, the longer you've had all these factors dialed in, the more experienced you are with smart nutrition and training for you specifically, the harder it's going to be to lose fat and build muscle at the same time. So we can also get to this point where like if you're very, very experienced and you've been doing all this well, you're probably better off going through a traditional for a long time. You've been doing all this well for a long time. You're probably better off going through a more traditional, like a lean gain cycle and where we're just focused on building muscle and then a fat loss cycle where we're just focused on maintaining muscle. Now, I like to always tell clients and I personally always go into it now that I, <laughs> since I've learned this is something that you can really do, I always for the last few years have gone into it with the mindset of I want to build muscle and I can build muscle because studies have shown that it's possible. We know scientifically it's possible. And just if you go into it with the mindset, I'm just going to maintain that's when you, I think you're more likely as an advanced trainee to actually lose muscle. It's just easier to go into the mindset that you can still build. And we know that you genuinely can. But as a more advanced trainee that somebody that's been doing this for a long time properly, clients like that, again, will typically go through. These are a distinct cutting phase. If you can build, you can keep making progress. That's great. And we'll pull all the tricks we have up our sleeve to make sure your progress continues as long as possible and let's cut. Like one great example is my client, Rachel. She's very experienced. Um, we got her ready for a photo shoot. She's gone through a whole building phase. She's crushed it. But now she's entering a fat loss phase, getting ready for a cruise coming up. So what we did, we actually switched up her training from a lower, upper, lower, upper, lower split to push, pull, push, pull, full body. Basically, we increased the frequency of her training so she could keep seeing progress. Oh, and this coincided with her the start of her deficit. So often we see when we do things like when we switch from an upper-lower split to a push-pull split, which is going to be more frequency, and often we can even ramp up the volume a bit more we'll see people respond very well because it's just straight up something that they haven't done before. So like in her case, 
we're still pushing the progress, even though she's also losing fat simultaneously and is an advanced trainee. So there's a lot that you can do past a certain point. It makes the most sense to have distinct fat loss phases and building phases. But if you're new to having all these factors dialed in, you can absolutely do both at the same time. All right, next question. Since I'm stuck at home, any tips for putting together an effective training program? Oh yeah. So <laughs> the biggest problem with most at-home workouts is they're very much cardio-based. So I don't know about you, but I really hate workouts where I'm just like jumping around, <laughs> um, which is truly again like not to throw shade at anybody, but that's truly like most at-home workouts. The thing is, we know that to actually stimulate muscle growth or even to maintain muscle, we need to achieve effective reps, which basically means we need to stimulate the muscle. We need to fatigue your muscle fibers within five reps or less, probably closer to three to four reps or less from failure. Now, most at-home workouts are not gonna give you that. Like, you know how many bodyweight squats you have to do to actually take your quads to <laughs> five reps short of failure? It's a lie. So, and similarly, like if you're jumping around doing jumping jacks, I have no idea how many jumping jacks it takes to get anything close to the effective rep range, <laughs> but you're probably not hitting it is the point. So it is, you do need to with, your at-home training, take a better approach, a more science-based approach than most people that you'll see like put out there on social media do. So really, I'll just run through basically what I'm doing with my online clients. And this has actually been super fun over the last week to really help everybody figure out like, okay, now that you're at home, we have very limited equipment, usually just a band or a couple bands in your body weight and whatever's around the house. Here's how we can still make this work. And people have still been crushing it. It's been dope to see. Despite the shittiness of the situation, everybody has been loving the change up in their training, actually. So one of the biggest things we're focusing on, and you should focus on if you're creating your own at-home program, is unilateral work. So lots of single arm, single leg movements. That's just because we're going to be able to load that one limb heavier than if you have both limbs moving the same load. So pretty simple. If you're doing a split squat with a 135 on your back, it's gonna be a lot more challenging than if you're doing a bilateral squat with 135 on your back, right? So that really allows us to help create more overload. Next, you wanna make sure you slow down the negatives. So one of the biggest things with at-home training, again, is for most of us, the loads we can apply to our muscles are pretty limited. We don't just have too many dumbbells or weights lying around. So slowing all your negatives down to three to five seconds, creating more time under tension for your muscles helps. And then also pauses at the bottom of reps. So this really depends on how much weight you have, but if you're very limited on weight, I would add a three to five second ISO hold at the bottom of most of your reps. 
and really just focus on contracting whatever muscle you're really trying to focus on, keeping a ton of tension on whatever muscle you're trying to focus on at the bottom of the rep. So for example, if you're doing a split squat, a rear foot elevated split squat, at the bottom of the rep, you're not just gonna hang out down there. You're focusing on really creating a ton of tension in your hamstrings, in your glutes, and then really feeling that quad fire on the way up. That's another way to increase your time under tension and really just create more muscle stimulus. Um, and similarly, like you can use ISO holds at the end of a set. So for example, if you're doing a set of banded hip thrust at home, so maybe you have a dumbbell, you have some bands. You could do like 20 reps with band around your knees, dumbbell on your waist, and then for that last rep, at the end of the last rep, you just hold and really squeeze your glutes as hard as you can for 30 seconds at the top of the rep. Another great way to make it more challenging. Um, Pre-exhausting is also another good technique. So again, the problem is we don't typically have sufficient load to really challenge what would typically be our metric-based movement. So think our variations of squat, hinge, lunge, push, pull. So we can again make up for this, make our metric-based movements more challenging by pre-exhausting the primary movers. So what I mean by that is like our pecs for a horizontal push, which think of like a bench press or a push-up, our pecs are the primary mover, right? Now, you're probably gonna have to resort to a push-up variation at home. So one thing you can do to make this more challenging is pre-exhaust your pecs. So you could do something like grab two books, squeeze them as hard as you can between your hands, press out, keeping those contracted together or keeping those books squeezed together between your hands super hard and do 10 reps there. That is absolutely going to light up your pecs and then go into your push-up. Or if you're doing, like again, let's take it back to the split squat because that's going to be one of your most applicable at-home movements. If you're trying to really focus on your quads, you can literally just do like lock out your knees super hard for 20 to 30 seconds. Just hold that. Your quads will be lit by the, by the end of that. And then go right into a split squat. And again, you'll be able to fatigue the muscle a lot more than you would without that pre-exhaust type movement. Um, increasing the range of motion is also a good idea. So here we could do like deficit push-ups are a great example. So stacking up a couple books, doing push-ups there so you can get a greater chest stretch at the bottom or like a deficit reverse lunge so find something in your house maybe a small tote that's about six inches and we're doing reverse lunges off of there this creates a greater glutes and hamstring stretch greater range of motion is more challenging for the muscle um and then you also just have to get creative with how you're applying the load so bands are great um full water bottles or shaker bottles loaded backpack so if you have a backpack loaded up it's just almost like a weight vest that can help a ton with like your push-ups split squats variations like that um you can even load up a basket and hold it in the searcher position so basically hold it in the crook of your arms like the first thing i'm thinking of is if you were carrying if you have a big dog and how you're carrying them around in the crook of your arms typically <laughs> the same thing with a basket or shit you can even use your big dog as a load um water jugs so like gallon water jugs you can hold them in the front rack position you can press them overhead 
you can carry them by the side or hold them by the side for split squats. Or if you have one of those bigger water jugs, I don't know what they are, like six gallons. Again, you can hold them in that searcher in that the heavy dog position and use them for split squats or even a normal squat. You can get super creative here if you really think about it. Um, Now, one of the hardest things to train for at-home workouts is going to be your upper back. So the all-important row movement. So basically that movement that trains the muscles of upper back that really keeps our shoulders strong, stable, and in a safe position. Really protects our shoulder joints. Rowing movements are the hardest thing to figure out how to do at home. So one good option here is a towel row, which is basically going to be like a TRX row or an inverted row. So, or you can use a sheet, but basically just tie a knot in one end of a sheet or two towels shut that in a doorway up overhead and then you can kind of use those as just like you would trx straps lean back you can do rows like that you can also do table rows so if you have a sturdy table get underneath it hands up on the table again you're lying under it row yourself up to the table and slow negatives three to five seconds really focus on feeling the muscles of your upper back work and then just working in it, if you have bands, different variations of like lots of band pull-aparts, band face pulls, band Y raises. And even if you don't have bands, you can grab a couple of water bottles and do YTIs. You can do lateral raises. You can do bent over thumbs up raises. Tons of different options there. And then high frequency training is smart. So because our overall volume and intensity intensity being load is going to have to decrease just regardless it's going to take a hit if you don't have access to your normal gym it means that frequency needs to increase volume frequency intensity we kind of have dials for each of them as we dial one or two of those up another has to be dialed down so in this case we're dialing up the frequency and you want to make sure every time you train you hit one either a squat or a lunge variation two some type of hinge variation. Three, an upper body push, and I would alternate between horizontal and vertical. I would probably do, I would make sure you do at least two horizontal and then one to two vertical push. So think like two chest press variations slash push up variations, one overhead pressing variation. And then if you hit a fourth training day, just do two and two, and then an upper body pull. And here again, we want to make sure more of our more of our upper body pulls are horizontal pulls or rows, like we just talked about with towel rows, table rows, then overhead pulls. And now the reality is you can always find somewhere to do chin-ups. If you can do vertical pulls, you can do banded chin-ups if you can find somewhere. Otherwise, you can um, close a band in the door overhead. You can sit on the floor and you can do a band lat pull down. Or you can just do similarly shut a band on the door and do a straight arm pull down where you're sitting back into a hinge and just pulling your hands down to your thighs, squeezing your lats super hard. So we can still train all these muscle groups. It just can take some creative creativity. Now, to really put it together, I already did this. This is I posted this on Instagram. So 
gotta plug my Instagram like always on here. But basically, again, the biggest problem is that people don't chase overload here. So how I would do this is we want to still have a couple metric-based movements of the day. So how I put this together was our first metric-based movement of the day was a band-resisted Bulgarian split squat. Second was a band-resisted push-up. We're doing three to four sets of 10 to 20 reps with one rep left in the tank. Now with these metric-based movements, we want to load this up with multiple bands if possible, and then a loaded backpack or whatever dumbbells you have, or like we talked about water bottles in the front rack position, something like that. You want to try to add as much external load as possible to be able to hit one rep left in the tank within, and I mean, really the beauty of this is anywhere from five to 30 reps, as long as we reach that effective rep range, we can get very similar results from. The most important thing here is that we hit that effective rep range. That said, I would try to keep it 10 to 20 reps because then over the course of the next four weeks or however long we happen to be quarantined here, we want to progress via reps because if you're constantly changing the load here, it's going to be very hard to assess your progress. So here, my clients, we're still making sure that you're progressing because we are keeping load the same across weeks and you're aiming to add reps while still hitting the same RIR target. So if last week you had your fully loaded backpack and two bands on and you hit 15 reps of your split squat with one rep in reserve, this week you hit 18 with one rep in reserve, you made progress. Dope, right? So from there, again, band-resisted Bulgarian split squat, band-resisted push-up. Then we have a band-resisted hip thrust. Three sets, three to four sets of 15 with a 30 second ISO hold at the top of the last rep. So hold and really squeeze your glutes at the top of this rep. We already talked through this before. Then we have a sheet or towel row, three sets, as many as you got in you, supersetted with a hollow body pull apart. So here we're hitting your upper back twice with both the sheet rows and the hollow body pull apart. And we're also hitting your core with the hollow body pull apart. And then finally we have a finisher to just pump it up, hit your body with some metabolic stress, which is another important mechanism for muscle growth. So here we're just hitting as many rounds as possible in five minutes of a 3D band pull apart for 10 to 15 reps, a band hammer curl for 10 to 15 reps, and a band tricep push down for 10 to 15 reps. And every week, we're adding one minute to that for the next four weeks. So again, if we take some time to really think this through, you can still create a solid ass training program, training at home. We can gauge progression. We can keep you progressing. It just takes some logical thought. All right, and final question for the day. How do I know whether I'm at a plateau and need to adjust my macros? All right, so couple things to work through here before we adjust macros. The reality is most people are very quick to adjust macros. Um, so really, this is what I always work through with my online clients. First, you want to give it a couple weeks. The reality is like one week of weight not moving and measurements not moving isn't usually grounds to make adjustments. So typically when a client has this going on, weight is stuck well, first, like normally if somebody's weight is stuck, we'll still see that their measurements are decreasing. 
I've talked about this a ton on the podcast. That's the importance of tracking multiple metrics. That's why my clients all track biofeedback. We get your weight averaged across at least three measurements per week. We take your body measurements every week. So we're not just looking at one metric. So typically, in a situation like this, somebody will say, hey, I'm not losing weight. But we'll look at their measurements. Oh, dope. You lost at least a quarter inch off of multiple measurement sites. Usually it's more than that. Okay, so you're still making progress. There is absolutely nothing to worry about. You maybe ate something saltier. Maybe you were more stressed. And in some extreme situations, we can look at, okay, if weight and measurements didn't move for one week, we can still typically identify, okay, maybe you had a meal that was very different foods. That's causing you to retain some more water. Maybe you're a bit bloated from that. That could be throwing things off. Has your hunger been relatively high across the last week? Has it been a three or higher? We know that you're probably in a deficit, so you should still be losing. Um, and then in situations like that, hunger is another very good thing to look at here. Typically, there's a saying, I think I heard Alberto Nunez say this, if it feels like a deficit, it probably is a deficit. And the reality of fat loss is, especially as you get leaner, you should be a bit hungry. So if you're not hungry at all, if you were losing up until the last week or two, and all of a sudden you're not hungry, then we can guess that you're probably, there's some probably some measurement error in your food is the most common case here. So maybe you're getting too flexible with your food. So a lot of times in situations like that, I'll say like, this will happen where clients are like, and I'm all for clients learning how to get flexible, working in a couple meals out a week, working some drinks in, but often it'll turn into like, when situations like this often it'll turn into like, okay, we just need to dial that back a little bit because now we're pushing the limit of every time you eat out, you're adding in room for measurement error. Or maybe often I can literally look in somebody's food diary and say, hey, <laughs> I can see this is probably where the bigger biggest measurement error was. And a lot of times that's the case. So if hunger has decreased a lot, that's a good sign to look for. Yo, there's probably some measurement error here. So is measurements are measurements decreasing and is scale weight decreasing. From there, if they're not, are you consistently hitting your macros and measuring your food accurately? So if somebody isn't consistently hitting their macros, we forget about, about all of this. We say the most important thing here is that you're hitting these consistently. No adjustment makes up for a lack of consistency. And really, if you're a coach and your client isn't hitting their macros right now, adjusting their macros isn't going to help. Because if they're not consistent with those either, they won't lose weight. So this is something I always drill home in clients. I won't adjust your macros until you are consistent with them. All right, so once we get past consistently hitting macros and measuring food accurately, are you moving consistently daily? Are you hitting your step goal? Your non-exercise activity is the biggest difference maker in your metabolism that's under your control. So if that's taken a hit, which this is why all my clients have step goals so we can see all this data in your daily accountability tracker, but if you're not moving as much, obviously fat loss will slow a bit as well. Um, have you taken a diet break in the last 12 weeks? So this is kind of a rough rule of thumb. I like to give clients a diet break every six to 12 weeks. But 
often I've found that like if we push it past that point, it's not so much that physiologically like you've experienced so much metabolic adaptation that you just can't lose anymore. That's rarely the case unless it's like a client that a client has lost, let's say 15 to 20 pounds. And we've just, but in that case, we'll slowly see their fat loss just slow and slow and slow and then finally stop. But that's what it looks like when metabolic adaptation occurs and you can't lose any more fat because of it. That is very different than like the case we're talking about here where fat loss just all of a sudden stalls. That's not metabolic adaptation. That is more than likely something else entirely. So a diet break is typically needed just because often people just get burnout psychologically of dieting. So a diet break just helps. It does help restore your hormones. It does help increase your metabolism some, but the biggest benefit is psychologically you're going to be prepared to go back to the diet. And often this increases adherence. Even subconsciously, you might not realize it, but you're maybe measuring more of your foods instead of guesstimating. You are not forgetting to put any foods in your tracker. You're more motivated to plan your foods ahead of time the night before. And all this leads to quicker results. So if you can say no to all of those things, again, your measurements aren't decreasing, scale weight isn't decreasing, you are consistently hitting your macros, you're measuring your food accurately, you're consistent with your daily movement, your last macro adjustment was more than two weeks ago, and you've had a diet break in the last 12 weeks, then it is probably time to adjust your macros. Whew. All right, and that is all we have for today. As always, I so appreciate you listening. If you've taken value from this show, do me a huge favor. Take a screenshot of your phone right now of this podcast share it to your Instagram story and tag me. I want to connect with you and together we're really growing the reach of this show. Also, if you haven't done so already, hit the link in the show notes to download your free copy of the Lifestyle Diet. This is the exact guide that I created for many of my online clients to help achieve a flexible nutritional lifestyle. And these are many of the strategies I use for myself along with giving to my clients. And finally, The link for those at-home workouts is also in the show notes, so you can take advantage of it if you are quarantined right now. And that is all I have for you today. Thank you for tuning in.